0: One three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the virtual Bible study.
1: And we welcome you into the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, this is the virtual Bible study for Thursday, March 24th, 2011. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. My name is Jacob Quinn. Father Greg Gwynn is away preaching tonight, and in his absence, uh, Monty Overton from the College View Church of Christ is with us tonight. Uh, Monty, thank you for being here.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me, Jacob. It's good to
1: be here. Good to be with you, and Dan is behind the controls tonight. We're glad to have Dan here, and we're glad to have you as well, and we look forward to your comments, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com, or join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. It is to the right of your video window if you're watching us at our website, Dot com. Well, we want to talk tonight about the church, and Monty, you may remember when you were a child the uh, little thing you did with your hands. Uh, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up and see all the people. You, you did? Did you do that? Yeah, back we in did those that. Days? But my
2: arthritis is too bad. It's to too do that now. <laughs> you, quit, you cut that out.
1: Well, uh, that uh, is a was a, something that uh, I, I remember as a, as a child being instructed. Well, you know that's not correct because the church are really the people, uh, and uh, the church is not the building. As, uh, as some might think, but it's actually the people' uh, money, and that's a, that's very. I mean, that's that's not a, a hard uh, fact to establish. That the church is the people.
2: That's right, Jacob, and we. Have, I think that's important to remember because if it was just the building, then the church could be destroyed. But Jesus has said His kingdom is going to last, and His okay. church is going to stand. And so we have to understand that it's it's more than just sticks and stone. It's something that's alive it's made up of people
1: all right and it is and uh in acts chapter 2 verse 47 just in one of many passages we could uh, uh show money that shows this fact uh acts 2 verse 47 praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to the church daily such as should be saved and uh, taking people and nailing them to the wall of a building and adding them to the church that way the church is the people and the lord was adding people to that number
2: that's right, and that's something. That's what we have to constantly keep in our mind, is that if, when the Lord added to the church, he wasn't just putting another brick on or something like that, but they were people coming into his kingdom, and that's what he
1: was talking all about. All right, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and unto all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He says here that uh, God has purchased the church. Again, he's purchased the individuals, not the buildings. This is not... Uh, rocket science, Monty. it but it's a fundamental fact. We need to establish it here at the beginning of the program to remind ourselves that the church is the people and not the building, because it is maybe easy for us to begin to think of the church as being some structure or some uh, something other than just individuals.
2: Yeah, and we need to establish this as we have with scriptures, because the, it's it's not just our opinion we're stating here. It's not what well, we think that the church is the people. But it's what God has said in the scriptures. The church is made up of people, not not bricks and stone. It's not a building, but it's people.
1: All right, Marty, do you think people forget that, or do you? Uh...
2: I think quite often they forget it, and or they think of it just as some organization, and, and they don't really equate it to being the people that make up the church and I believe that they really neglect to remember that, and it causes them a lot of problem in their understanding of the Scriptures.
1: All right, there are some problems associated with that, and we want to talk with you about that tonight. We want to talk about the church being the people. We talked about the church building a few weeks ago, Monty. Tonight we're going to focus on the fact that the church is made up of the people, the individuals. And earlier today, we sent out an update uh, to our update list with some questions for you to consider. We're going to answer those questions on the program tonight. And if you'd like to comment, you can join in as the discussion proceeds. Number one, we ask, what is the one consequence of failing to understand that the church is made up of people? What's one consequence of failing to remember that the church is made up of people? Number two, since the church is made up of people, how can we ensure that the church grows? Monty, we want to see the church grow. And uh, understanding that it's made up of individuals will help, it, uh, help us to understand how the church needs to grow. We'll talk about that. Number three, since the church is made up of people, should we be surprised if the church isn't perfect? That's a question for us to consider. That's one that's puzzled a lot of people. Uh, the church isn't perfect. Why not? We'll find out as we talk about that question. And then finally, number four, since the church is made up of people, is it accurate or appropriate to say you are going to church? That's something for us to think about, Monty. We'll talk about that, uh, hopefully, towards the end of the program. We look forward to your comments. Join in the discussion: eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeview dot com. Uh, Monty, uh, you are a regular listener and you've uh, you've joined the program uh, several times in the past, but uh, you don't listen to us live, uh, do you? You listen to us in the archive version, as as a majority of our listeners do.
2: Well, actually, I get CDs printed off of it because I don't have the internet to be okay. able to get it that way. So. The church here has made it available that we can have CDs of it, and so I get that, and that way I can listen to it at work, and I can listen to it over and over until I feel like I really understood what was being said. So it's a great benefit for me to have that available. So
1: you're a non-Internet access listener.
2: Yeah, I'm still living in the dark ages. Well,
1: that's a, uh, see, you might be able to help other people uh, listen as well if you have Internet access and uh, you know someone who might benefit from the program, you can make them a CD of that and then take it to them. Now, Monty, uh, you are, you're sort of unique in how you listen to it. You listen to it at work while you're working, mm-hmm. uh, and your job is one where I guess you have to listen sort of loud, don't you?
2: I turn my radio up pretty much as loud as it'll go, but that way it's a good benefit because the other people in the shop get to hear they it have too. They to listen too. <laughs> okay,
1: all right. Well, now are you going to listen to this program uh, in, in the shop while you're working?
2: Yeah, I'll take it and listen to it also. I, I try to listen to all of them because just because I was here participating doesn't mean I necessarily caught or accurately understood everything that we discussed, so that way I can go back over it repeatedly until I'm sure I understand what we. When
1: they hear you, will they say, "Hey, that, hey, that's you," isn't?
2: Well, one time a guy at, at the shop come up and asked me, said, "Do you really get anything out of that?" I said, yeah, and then about that time I came on in one of the commercials that I've done, I said, I even get to listen to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we do appreciate you listening, appreciate you being here tonight. We appreciate you on the other end tonight as well. We will benefit from your comments as well as we talk about the fact that the church is the people, and if we forget, Monty, that the church is the people, there are going to be some dangers associated with that, one of them being is if we forget that the church is the people then we will not realize that if the church is going to do anything, it's going to have to be the people that do it. I think that sometimes you mentioned, Monty, that we begin to think of the church as just being some kind of anonymous organization or something that has an entity and a life of its own. And uh, we've got to be careful about that and remember that the church is the people. And if we're going to do anything as a church, it's going to have to be individuals that get down, buckle down, and do it.
2: That's right. You know, a lot of times people... They think if something's got to be done over at the church, well, those people over at the church need to be doing that. Maybe there's some issue that's going on or whatever. But what they fail to realize, if that it's the church needs to be doing it, then I, as part of the church, need to be participating in the doing of it. And then we forget that quite often. We, I think, in our nation want to lay things off and not accept responsibility for our actions, and we want somebody else to take care of everything for us. But we need to understand that since the church is made up of people and I'm one of those people, then I have to be active in doing things.
1: If the people aren't doing anything, the church isn't going to do anything. That's right. Uh, How many times have you heard people say, well, the church really needs to do something about
2: that? Yeah, I've heard people say that before. They'll say, well, the elders need to do something about that. Well, the elders are just members of the church with specific duties and oversight, but I'm still a member of the church, and I still need to be participating in the doing of something. I don't need to shirk my responsibility or lay it off on someone else.
1: All right, it is a shirking of a responsibility mm-hmm. where I don't want to assume the fact that I have responsibilities and I need to do them. You ever heard someone say, well, the church is letting young people down or the church isn't doing this or that? It's an, it's an, an uh, indication perhaps that we've forgotten that the church is the people. We'd, we'd stand on these verses we started the program with, Monty, and say, look, the church is the people, it's not the building. We would defend that, but in practice we need to understand it and realize that if it is the people, then the people are going to have to do the work that the church must do. Notice in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Monty, if you want to read that, Ephesians four eleven and 12, uh, that uh, there are a list of people that are present in the church to accomplish the work that God wants it to do.
2: Ephesians four eleven and 12 says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ.
1: All right. And so those people are there. They exist so that the work can be done. And it is a vitally important work that must be done, uh, but it's not going to happen, Monty, unless those people that are in the church to get the work done are actually doing it.
2: And when you look at the variety of tasks that he gave here in Ephesians 4, there were some jobs that were specific that only certain people could do, like, say, pro- apostles or prophets uh then the the evangelist was a a larger group of people that could do that and there were pastors and then an even larger group teachers so when you look at all this there was work for everybody to do there wasn't just just two or three or four people that was supposed to do all the work but there was a sufficient amount of work for everybody to do and he laid out that people and the offices there the jobs there that could be done accomplished that work.
1: alright eight one four five six seven. Email questions at com. Join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, and Monty, the next time that we see work that needs to be done, though, we instead of saying the church needs to do that, we ought to look and say, can I do that? Because if the church is going to do it, I'm going to have to help.
2: Yeah, we need to look at whatever work that we think the church needs to be doing and evaluate, is this something I can take care of? And it might be something that I don't even have to mention to anybody else. I can just say, okay, here's a work, and I need to go take care of it. If it's a bigger work than I can do, then I'll probably need to ask someone to help me, but I don't need to look at that asking for help as then I'm going to drop drop this job off on them. It's here's a work that needs done, and we need to do it together. So it's not just me. It's not just him, but we can do it together. But we don't need to be looking at it with the attitude of somebody else needs to take care of that. I need to see if I can take care of
1: it. All right. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says, mm-hmm. uh, one of the consequences of failing to understand that the church is made of people, he says, when people don't think of themselves or others as being the church, they will never become involved, and their faith will eventually suffer. We will not see the need for helping, caring, or strengthening one another uh, consider in verse First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty-five, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And so, Jim's hitting on the same idea here. We've talked about money. If we don't realize that we are the church, then the church won't get busy in uh, doing what it needs to do.
2: And as he talked about in First Corinthians twelve twenty-five, there that there should be no schism or division in the body. If we don't understand that we're the church and, and it's made up of people and we're a part of that, then we tend to look at it as a us and them. Uh, them people over at the church are doing that you know i went over and visited and you couldn't believe what them people at that church was doing or you know them people over there where i go to church well i'm part of those people so I, they doesn't need to be in division it's us and them or me and them it's we are the church
1: okay we look forward to hearing from you eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven email your comments to questions at com, or if you're in the chat room tonight sign in give yourself a, a nickname and no personal information is required. It's just two easy steps there. Click on the uh, the boxes at the bottom of the chat window, and you can join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. As we talk about the fact that the church is the people, it's very clear from the scriptures that the church is the people. We need to remember it in our practice, though, and our thinking. Uh, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia, says, One consequence is seeing the brick-and-mortar building as a holy place that should be treated in a reverent manner. People tend to go to extremes and refuse to eat in the building or going to the building to pray as if it would make a prayer more effective, not trying to be crude or uncouth. But I find it ironic and if not a bit humorous that some people refuse to eat in the church building but have no problem using the restroom there.
2: You know, I think that's a problem that he's, he's hit on right there, that people put so much emphasis on the building as the church when, when this building is basically a place that was constructed for the purpose of worship and study. And, and that's no more or no less than that. And it is a, uh, I believe you could use the term sanctified or a building that's been set apart for that purpose. But at the same time, we put too much emphasis on that building and not enough on what we are should be involved in while we're here and elsewhere.
1: All right. We're going to take a break. And during the break, it would be a great time for you to send in your comments. We're talking about the fact that the church is the people tonight on the program. And uh, when we fail to remember that and fail to understand it, there are some consequences to our thinking, to our spirituality. We'll talk about those as we continue the program on the other side, some consequences of failing to understand that the church is made up of people. If you have any thoughts along these lines, we'd love to hear from you. Again, 877-381-4567. Email questions at com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this.
3: There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the
4: College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist, but that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study.
3: My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen
1: to the Virtual Bible
0: Study.
3: God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The Virtual Bible Study rolls along. And we are rolling along
1: on the program tonight, and we look forward to you uh, joining in on the program. We're talking about the fact that the church is the people. Tonight I have Monty Overton joining me in my father's absence as he's out of town preaching And we appreciate you again for being here, Monty. Uh, You know, if we fail to understand that the church is the people, there are a lot of consequences and a lot of things that it may affect in our life. One of those things, Monty, is the fact that if we don't understand that the church is the people, then the church will fail to grow as it should.
2: That's right, Jacob, because what we don't understand or or fail to remember, if we forget that and and don't realize that the church is the people— then, as one of those people ourselves, if we kind of get the idea, well, the church isn't growing as it should. But what we need to be looking at is examining ourselves Am and I say, growing? Am I growing as I should?
1: And if it, if, it, if I grow, then the church grows.
2: If I've grown, then the church has grown by whatever amount that I've grown. And in the process of my growth, I'll be helping other people to to grow also, so the church will even grow more so we have to understand the church is the people it's my personal responsibility to grow and my personal responsibility to help others grow
1: all right notice yeah. in ephesians chapter four the verse that you read just earlier ephesians four eleven and 12 give us the list of all of the things uh, that uh, all the people that are present in the church and notice why it is for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man into the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ Paul says these these functions are in the church so the church can grow, so the individuals in the church can be edified and strengthened, and the church can grow as a result.
2: That's right, and so that we can become a perfect or complete man and that we can measure up into the stature and fullness of Christ. Now, I know that as long as I'm here on this earth, I'll never measure up to Christ as I would should or would like to, but it's a process that I'm supposed to be engaged in constantly growing.
1: All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeu.com. dot com. Quickly from the chat room, we've talked about the fact that the church is the people. And uh, John in Edmond, Oklahoma, makes a good point about uh, what Paul thought about the church. In First Corinthians chapter one, beginning verse one, money, uh, he says Paul showed the local church to be the people. Where he quotes Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those called to be saints. And so here he connects the church of God with those who. We're saints, Uh, so the people make up the church. Paul understood that.
2: You know, if it was a building, buildings are not called to be saints. We understand that saints are individuals, and so he's obviously correct here. In the logic that he's showing that the church is made up of people. It's not a building. It's made up of saints.
1: All right. And Danny in Greenville, Mississippi, uh, also chimes in. He says uh, he references Acts 2, verse 47. Monty, the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. The saved were added by the Lord to the church. The Lord's church is the body of the saved. And uh, we agree again with that. And so uh, we have to understand then, Monty, if the church is going to grow, if the church is made up of individuals, if that's what the church is, then the individuals are going to have to grow for the church to grow. That's right. And Monty, that uh, that sort of puts the uh, the monkey on your back, so to speak.
2: Yeah, it's on our each of us has have that responsibility to grow. Uh, you can't grow for me, and I can't grow for you. We can grow together, but it's our own personal responsibility to see to our growth in in order to make sure that the church does grow.
1: All right. Um, and uh, if if the fa- church fails to grow money, then again that's
2: that's my fault. That's too.
1: your fault. And so, what, if we don't understand the fact that the church is the people, then we perhaps won't grow as we should. Uh, Paul in uh, Indiana uh, sends in his comments. Uh, he's in the chat room as well tonight. He's taking a little bit different angle on it, uh, but it certainly is uh, an accurate uh, a view that he has here as well. He was thinking numerical growth, and that's true as well. If we want the church to grow numerically then they're going to have to be individuals who respond to the gospel. He said, uh, number two, uh, he answers number, question number two, simply by teaching others is the method in, by which the church grows. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the apostles began this by going to teach the world as the Great Commission stated in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, when the disciples experienced persecution, they kept teaching. Now this, and he references Acts 8, verse 4. This is interesting, Monty, because a lot of denominations want the church to grow, and the way that they get the church to grow is not by teaching the gospel, but they uh, they throw a carnival or they throw some kind of community outreach in which they do some fun and games for uh, for the community to try and get people to come in. Rather than in- enticing them and drawing them with the gospel, like uh, Paul says we ought to do, they're out there uh, trying to-, to win over the carnal man.
2: You know, the, there's a religious group that has their building near where I live, and on their marquee out front they have a sign saying there's some kind of free community meal coming up one day, one Saturday soon, I forget the exact date of it, but they do things like that. I remember a group of them come by one time and were handing out cookies and inviting them people to come to church with them, like giving somebody a chocolate chip cookie was going to provoke them to think about spiritual things. Yeah. But they didn't offer to teach anybody anything. They didn't offer to sit down and have a Bible study with me. They just wanted to give me a cookie and invite me to come to church with them.
1: Well, I uh, saw one, uh, money. you'd be game for this, uh, quite literally. They, they they were having wild game dinners mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, turkey-calling contests and things like that, which you and I would be excited about, uh, but that's certainly not going to save any souls. Uh, uh, you can eat as much turkey as you want, and you can call as many turkeys to you as you want. Uh, But you'll still be a lost sinner unless you learn the gospel of Christ.
2: You're right. Those things are pastimes that we're interested in. But they're not spiritual things. They're not things that are going to get my soul to heaven. And that's really all that truly matters. And in order to do that, I need people to teach me, and I need to be teaching other people what I've learned.
1: All right. Uh, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia, says, uh, how can the church grow since it is made up of individuals? He says, as far as numeric growth, we have really no control or even command for that. Our job is to sow the seed, and it is up to the individual to decide. That what they will do with it. As for individual spiritual growth, we need to ensure we are offering solid learning opportunities, practicing love, proper church discipline, and encouraging personal study at home. Even with all this, we cannot ensure growth. We have to be responsible for our own growth. We cannot force growth on anyone. And that's true, Monty. We've got to take a personal responsibility, just as we did for the work of the church and understanding that if the work is going to get done, I'm going to have to take a personal responsibility. I need to understand that if the church is going to grow, I've got to grow and take a personal responsibility for that.
2: That's right. And the only way we're going to grow is by focusing on spiritual things, by reading the Bible, by praying, by showing up for worship services so that we can be taught. We've got to do all these spiritual things in spiritual ways so that we can be taught and grow. We're not going to grow just by wishing or. by by some program or some uh, wild game dinner.
1: That's what he said. He makes a good point. Uh, We need to make sure that we're offering solid learning opportunities, that we're practicing the proper proper church discipline and encouraging personal study at home. Appreciate those thoughts by uh, Chris tonight. We certainly agree with those. And then Jim in Mount Pleasant uh, says uh, we need... Uh, the admonitions of ephesians chapter 4 13 through 16 taking responsibility not only for strengthening ourselves but also other saints so that we can be united and a united and edified body then each one must see that they have an active part in the growth of the church each member is needful
2: you know a lot of times people think that they've done their spiritual duty and they've done all they're supposed to do if they just show up for worship and they you know maybe they're here every time the doors open but they never do anything Mm-hmm. Well, there's more to it than that. Uh, if the church is going to grow, those people are going to have to be active. It's not that our religious service to God is not a, a spectator sport; it's a participation that we have to have.
1: All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeview dot com. We look forward to hearing from you, and you can also join in the chat room as uh, Rhonda in Edmond, Oklahoma, has. And she says, out here, one denomination passes out microwave popcorn, invites you to a family movie night. I don't think this is the way God wants us to teach others. It is, uh, certainly, it is amazing uh, some of the carnal attraction that uh, people are using rather uh, than the, the truth of God's word. And then another listener in the chat room references Acts chapter 8, verse 3, but Paul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. So he, says, or, he or she says Acts chapter 8, verse 3 tells us that when Paul ravaged the church, he drug off men and women, therefore... Men and women make up the church, and certainly we agree with that. And so we've got to remember that, Monty, as we think about the church growing. If it's going to grow, it's going to have to be me uh, that and you that make it grow and be encouraging our brethren that they grow so that we can all grow spiritually and also numerically as we teach the gospel and encourage others to be faithful to God as well. That's how the church in Pergamos grew, uh, Monty, and uh, they were instructed to grow, and uh, that's how they did.
2: That's right. In Revelation chapter 2 and verses 14 through 16... Uh, the scripture says uh, god saying i have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of balaam who taught balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols to commit fornication so you have them also that hold to this doctrine of nicolaitans which things i hate repent or else i will come to thee quickly i will fight against them with the sword of my mouth these people hadn't grown the way they should have been they that Obviously, they'd lost touch that this spiritual growth was their own individual responsibility, and they were still holding on to some some wickedness that apparently they hadn't grown their way out of. And God's telling them here, you're going to have to repent. Well, how do you repent of not growing? You start studying and learning and growing and leaving off these things that you're doing that's wrong. And these people had to grow. That was their personal responsibility. He wrote that letter to them.
1: All right. Uh, Certainly so. And that was the instruction. How do you fix the problems? You grow, and you grow by you personally. Uh, taking on uh, the challenges before you. Also, in First Corinthians chapter five, there was a problem with the church at Corinth, and they needed to behave differently. They needed to repent, and that would cause the church to grow and be better. First Corinthians chapter five, beginning verse one: It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as not is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and not have not rather mourned that he sh- have, which hath done this deed might be taken away from you. Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, even as Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Notice that the church needed to get the leaven out of it. That leaven was introduced by individuals, and therefore the church would grow as the individuals repented and began to live as they should.
2: You know, and Paul put this on them as individuals. He said, you need to get this leaven out. This was their responsibility to do and it wasn't that he couldn't come and help them with it. Maybe uh, if he had an opportunity to be there, but he's saying this is your responsibility. Take care of it. Get this old leaven out. They they sin going on here. Take care of it. Don't wait around for somebody else to do it. But take care of it now.
1: All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeu.com. dot com. He didn't say, you know, this the church needs to to fix this problem. These individuals need to fix the That's problem
2: because right. it was individuals that were doing the sin. And it wasn't that everybody in the church had their father's wife as he was talking about here. But there was one man there that had his father's wife, one individual. Well, the rest of the individuals need to take care of correcting this situation and not wait on someone else to do it for them.
1: alright eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeu.com. We'll take a break. We'll get this week's bullet point. And uh, when we get back on the other side of the break, we'll continue talking about problems. If we fail to understand the church is the people, there are going to be some problems that will manifest themselves in the way that we live and our attitude towards the church and uh, we'll get to those uh, questions and those uh, topics on the other side. We'll also continue to talk about the fact uh, later on what happens when the church isn't perfect, money. If I fail to understand that the church is made up of people, when I find that the church isn't perfect, I'm going to have some problems if I don't understand that the church is made up of people. We'll talk about those problems and how they manifest themselves. And finally, at the end of the program, we want to ask the question, since the church is made up of people, as we've shown over and over again, and our listeners have helped with that tonight in the chat room, since the church is made up of people is it appropriate is it acceptable and is it correct to say i'm going to church what do you think about that let us know your thoughts on that subject we're going to take a break get this week's bullet point we'll continue the discussion don't go anywhere we continue right after this
3: got a question about something you've heard on the virtual bible study send your questions to questions at collegeview.com we'll be right back after this
5: this is greg gwen with this week's bullet point the bible tells us about the intense persecution that was endured by early christians We know that many were imprisoned and a large number were put to death. The Apostle Paul even mentions his own involvement in this persecution before he became a Christian in Acts 26 verses 9 through 11 uninspired historical accounts give us additional information about the terrible trials and sufferings of those first disciples we are told that christians in the city of rome faced great danger when they assembled together for worship because of this they were often forced to hold their meetings in secret places we know that they sometimes met in the catacombs which were actually underground cemeteries evidence from those secret meetings can still be seen today it is said that at the height of this persecution, members of a family would leave for worship at different times so they would not generate suspicion from their neighbors. They changed their meeting place and the time of their assemblies each week to avoid being discovered. Did you ever wonder how these early saints would react if they were able to comment about the practice of their modern day brothers and sisters? Don't you imagine that they would be shocked to learn about the things that keep some Christians from attending all the worship assemblies and Bible studies? What was it that kept you from the assemblies last week? Were you too tired? too busy? Maybe a school function or a ball game, a band concert or a vacation trip, perhaps relatives from out of town visiting or a fishing trip or a round of golf, a minor sniffle or a headache. Some people are too sick to worship, but they're never too sick to go to work or go shopping. Did you just feel like not coming? Stop for a minute to think what those persecuted Christians of the first century would say if they heard your excuses. Why did those people take such risk? Why did they suffer so much? The answer is obvious. They love the Lord and were committed to his service. What about you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
1: Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study.
3: How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The Virtual Bible Study continues.
1: And we welcome you back to the program tonight. We appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on the program. We hope you're benefiting and enjoying the discussion as we look to the Word of God for instructions on how we ought to live and how we ought to think about the church. It's very important. Monty, the church is very important in God's uh, eternal plan. Uh, it is part of God's eternal plan. We need to understand the importance of it, and it is important that we look at it and view it the way that God wants us to view it.
2: You know, it's, it's got to be important because it belongs to Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church, it's His church. We as individuals. And members of the church belong to him and so we have importance and value because of that and so because jesus said it is his church then we need to understand that as individuals we have responsibilities to him
1: all right uh, certainly and uh, if we don't understand uh, that the church is the people then we'll have some problems that will manifest themselves in our life and the way uh, that we view uh, the church uh, one uh, listener an anonymous listener comments in the chat room and says if every member of the church would take the time every day to show other members of the church that they are loved the church will grow we must give up thinking so much about ourselves and give to others instead your thoughts about that money
2: you know there was a marketing program i was involved with one time and they said when you quit worrying about what you want to get and start worrying about what other what you can do to help other people achieve their goals and dreams then what you want to come to you automatically and that's the same idea that the listener there just said we need to quit worrying about what the church is going to do for me. Because I think when we forget that the church is made up of individuals and we think of it as something else, we say, well, what's the church going to do for me? Well, what we need to start worrying about is what can I do for everybody else? If I, I need to start looking for ways to help other people. And when I start looking for those ways and applying myself to helping other people, then the next thing I know, I can look around and I can see that I'm better off for it because I did help them. And then when I'm t- I'm leading by example in that factor, or in a phrase that's out and about nowadays is paying it forward. Mm-hmm. I go ahead and pay in advance, and then when I need help, there's going to be people that's more than willing to help me. And they may realize I need help before I do, and come offer and volunteer. But it'll be there because I done what
1: I was supposed to do. You know, that's uh, interesting. You mentioned it, Monty. Have, if let's imagine there's a hundred people in the in the in the congregation you're a part of. And uh, you look out for yourself, and and you just make sure you take care of yourself. There's one person looking out for you. Mm -hmm. But if you look out for everyone else and you don't worry about yourself, and everybody adopts that uh, philosophy, now you have 99 people looking out for you and your needs rather than just you.
2: That's right, and the 99's got to be able to do a better job of taking care (laughs) of me than I could do just by myself. But we can do that, and we help and encourage and exhort, and we build each other up. In, in the process of doing that because we're not worried about what the church is going to do for me.
1: That's right, money, and that is a good segue because I'm afraid if we don't if remember the church is made up of the people, we're going to look at the church sort of like an organization. You know, there are a lot of organizations or businesses that you frequent. You you, you frequent them because of what they can do for you. For instance, if you've got a, a, a car that's not running right, you take it to, a, to a, a car repair shop and you want them to fix your car for you. That's why they're there. Or you go to the dentist. You don't go to the dentist just for fun. You go to the dentist because you want the dentist to take care of your teeth. That's why you go to the dentist. Uh, you go to the dry cleaner when you've got a suit that needs to be cleaned. I'm afraid a lot of people view the church not as a group of people but as just some type of organization or business that exists to help them out.
2: You know, I was in the sound room one night, and this worship service had done started, and the phone rang, and I answered it. And it was a woman that had called. And what she wanted, she wasn't interested in spiritual matters. She wanted to know if the church here had some program to help her pay her electric bill. Right. She was wanting to know, what can the church do for me? She wasn't worried about spiritual things, obviously, because uh, she was calling on the phone and wasn't here. But she was worried about what this group, this organization, as she looked at it, could do to help her out with her own personal needs rather than going out and finding other people with needs and helping them and, and understanding that hers eventually get took care of somehow.
1: Right, right. Uh, and, that, and that's very common. Other people, <clears throat> other people want to know what kind of programs do you have. You know, do you have, you have anything that will help me out? Do you have any, uh, any kind of Mother's Day Out program? or Do you have any uh, activities for the kids? What have you got for me? What is It's all about me. Rather than realizing that the church is a group of people who who all need uh, help from one another,
2: you know there's a particular radio show that I listen to sometime it's a talk show, and people call in on it and uh this talk host is constantly telling people they need to find a good church to go to, and maybe he'll be asking them sometime well do you attend They're calling in with their troubles well do you do you go to a good church? Well, somebody asked him one time over an email or whatever what he what he meant when he referred to a good church mm-hmm. well, he said a good church I have good programs. There'll be programs for unwed mothers. There'll be programs for people with drug addictions. They'll, and he just went down this whole list of programs, and that's what he identified as a good church. Well, as I as I read the New Testament and learn about the church, I don't see any of those programs listed in the New Testament. You know, as far as unwed mothers go, they shouldn't be unwed mothers. If they weren't committing fornication, generally speaking, that doesn't happen. And so what a good church, was, I believe, is going to be doing is people that are going to look out for each other. They are going to help each other. They are going to be doing things for each other. But a good church is going to be teaching the gospel and helping me learn, fulfill my spiritual needs rather than worrying so much about my physical needs.
1: All right. And uh, certainly uh, the church is here for our spiritual needs, not our physical needs uh, primarily. I mean, the church did help with physical needs, money uh, in the New Testament. But that wasn't their focus. Uh, the, the focus of the church was spiritual. And uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7 gives us the view that we ought to have of the church, not that the church exists to serve me, but instead that I'm here to help those who are in the church who need my help. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning verse 3, Looking, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the other, on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Notice that even the creator of the world didn't come to this earth expecting to be served. Like so many come to the church expecting to be served, Jesus came to serve others. And if we don't realize that the church is a group of individuals who need my service, then we will never be like Christ because he came to serve not to be served.
2: You know, Jesus, when he came to the world, because he was God and the Son of God, deserved to be served. But that's not what he came here for. He came and met other people's needs. Jesus personally didn't need to come here to leave the grand and glorious heaven that he was a part of, to come here to this feeble place called earth, right. to, to, be, to live a poor life, not a rich life like a king, but to live a poor life as a carpenter's son, to be used and abused, to be beaten nearly to death and crucified. That didn't do anything for him. I mean, that, no. there was no benefit to him for that. he done that because I needed that. and because you needed that, because mankind needed that service done for them so that they could be saved from their sins.
1: But if anyone could set themselves up on a pedestal and say, I'm here to be served, that could be Christ. He had the right. He had the right.
2: He deserved it.
1: He deserved it. But even he took the position of the servant.
2: And if we're going to be like Christ, we're taught in the New Testament that we're supposed to be Christ-like, we're supposed to aspire and apply ourselves to learning to be like him, then rather than... Come in and saying, okay, here I am. Everybody needs to start waiting on me and providing for my needs. We're going to come and as it says here, let every man not look on his own things, but it, but also on the things of others. We're going to come and we're going to look around and say, what kind of needs can I meet here today? Sure. What can I do for someone today rather than sitting back and say, well, well, I'm here. Uh, how are y'all going to wait on me and provide for me today?
1: If you don't look at the church as a group of people that desperately need your service, then perhaps you're not looking at the church the right way as a group of individuals. You may be looking at it as, uh, as something else besides the people that make it up. And so uh, we've got to be careful about that.
2: You know, Jesus came looking at us as a group of people that desperately needed his services. There's nothing that we'll ever need. We might be starving to death and dying of thirst. But we needed Jesus more than we needed food and water. All right. Because otherwise we were going to be lost and go to hell.
1: All right. Exactly. And an anonymous listener says, which word would you, others use to describe you, selfish or servant? And we all need to think about that because if we want to be like Christ, like we've said. If we want to be uh, Christ-like, then we've got to have the same attitude that Christ had. And we've got to look for opportunities to serve others danny in the chat room references galatians 3:26 and 27 it is our faith in christ jesus that motivates us to obey the gospel then there is no more jew or greek neither bond nor free nor male nor female for you're all one in christ jesus we need to have that unity uh monty that is referenced there and uh, the attitude that we should serve others danny also says we are saved to serve others and that certainly is the attitude that we possess Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, Monty, that the way that we serve ourselves really is, in fact, by serving others, that we'll be blessed as a result of our service of others.
2: That's right. In Mark chapter 10, 42 through 45, it says, But Jesus called to him and said to them, You know not that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority on them. But so it shall not be among you. But whoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whoever of you will be the chiefest, shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is telling there, you know, the rulers of the land, they expect people to wait on them and serve them. But He says, but that's not how it's going to be. He said, if you want to be important in, in, in God's estimation, then you'll be a servant and you'll find ways to serve other people.
1: All right, uh, Anonymous listener again in the chat room says, who did you call today to see how they are doing? Who did you encourage today? The day is almost over. You still have time.
2: That's right, because it's never too late for us to do good works.
1: All right, uh, that's a good. Well, it might be too late for you to call me if you wait too <laughs> uh, too late, Monty. Please don't uh, don't do your good works at midnight. All right. Uh, well, we lo- look forward to hearing from you. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the number to call, and uh, the chat room is getting busy tonight. And your comments can also be sent in to questions at collegeview.com. One other problem, Monty, before we take our next break is if we fail to remember that the church is the people. We might think that the work of the church is only the work that is done in the church building. If we think of the church as the building rather than the people, then we might think that, uh, you know, what, go, what goes on in the church building, that's really the work of the church, the worship, the teaching of the children's classes, uh, cleaning and maintaining the building. That's the work of the church, and we leave it right there on the premises of the, of the, of the church building rather than realizing that the church uh, and the work of the church is unlimited it's it's uh not i mean it's not limited to the building it in fact needs to go on in our daily lives
2: you know i think that attitude is evidenced the people that don't realize that the work of the church doesn't occur just here in the building because you see people and you know people and it's sad to say at one time i've been one of those people that when i wasn't at church i acted like the rest of the world now i was at every service and when i was at, at the worship service among other Christian people, I talked nice and I acted like right, like I ought to. But then, what the rest of the week, I acted entirely different. Right, and because I think I we truly didn't grasp that the work of the church isn't what takes just what takes place inside this building. These things that take place in the building are important, and they have to be done. They are part of the work of the church. But as a Christian, part of the work of the church that has to be done is my individual example that I set before others and my individual teaching for others and not just teaching classes here at the building I may from time to time teach here at this building, but I'm supposed to be teaching people out in the world because we read in the New Testament when the disciples were scattered because of persecution, they went into all these other cities and as they were scattered about, it said they were teaching preaching, teaching and preaching Jesus. They didn't do it just at the building or they would have stayed in Jerusalem and got persecuted and just taught there. But they went to other places and to other cities and they were teaching people as they met them during their day-to-day activities they was not just they I think a lot a big problem we have it with our attitude about the work of the church just today so much is that people think they've done their duty if they invited somebody to come to church with them well now, as I read in the New Testament they taught people about Jesus and then those people became Christians uh, they didn't just invite people to come to church a lot of times they probably didn't even Especially when they were first persecuted and scattered, they probably didn't even have a building per se to worship in. Mm-hmm. Like we see, they snuck around here and there to worship in secret because of the persecutions. But they were teaching people as they went. They didn't invite in for somebody else to do their work of teaching. They taught themselves, and then those people became Christians and members of the church.
1: All right, uh, Danny references Acts chapter eight verse four. They were scattered. They that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. and They weren't confined just to the building. They were doing their preaching just in the building. They were doing it out in the world as they were scattered, and uh, we need to understand that as well. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse fourteen, "You are the light of the world. A see that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." Uh, certainly, God wants us to be active in the world, Monty, and uh, not just uh, as you mentioned, maybe putting on our church face on Sunday morning and and uh, thinking that we're doing the work of the Lord while we're assembled with the saints, we need to be active in the world as well every day.
2: You know, when we consider the small number of hours each week that we're here at the building and our walk is supposed to be a walk, as Jesus said, a light on the hill that can't be hid. If all the time that we're doing what we would consider working for the Lord is the small time, the three or four or five hours a week that we're here at this building, there's a huge number of hours left over that we haven't worked for the Lord. And we need to be thinking about all those other hours to
1: All right. We're going to take a break, and when we get back from the break, we're going to go to the top of the hour talking about uh, the fact that if we understand that the church is the people, how is it going to affect our attitude and our thoughts when we learn that the church isn't perfect? Monty, is the church here perfect?
2: Uh, Not that I can tell.
1: All right. Have you ever known a church that's perfect? Uh, None that I've ever been to. Well, how do we handle that? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break, and we're also going to answer the question, is it appropriate, since the church is the people, to talk about going to church. What do you think about that? We'll take that up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this.
3: Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this.
1: Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected a thus saith the Lord? Remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? The College View Church is still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit the College View Church of Christ.
4: I'm Arthur Haynes from County, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is
3: to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. See, I told you we'd be back. The Virtual Bible Study continues. And
1: we are back, and we appreciate you for being on the other side. If you would uh, take a minute, uh, if you're in the chat room tonight, just let us know where you're listening. Uh, we've got several people that uh, have identified themselves already, but uh, maybe just tell us where you are and where you're listening. Peter says the best way of teaching is by example, mining. and that's what you were getting to, is we've got to be living this every day. If the church is going to be the light to the world, as God would have us to do uh, to be, then we're going to have to live it every day, not just while we're in the church building, but while we're out in the world.
2: You know, if we're living the way we should be, it's not going to be just while we're here in the building. But the people we work with, maybe somebody new comes to work, you've never met them before, they don't know you from anybody or anything about you, but it should be that they can, after a reasonable amount of time of being around you, They should recognize and maybe even say to you, you must be a Christian. I can tell by the way you act or by the way you talk or maybe by the things that you don't say or the things that goes on at the work that you don't participate in. They should recognize that you're a Christian because, as Jesus said, your light is shining. You're different. You're set up on a hill. You're not down in the... The Mass is doing the same things everybody else does, but your life is different. And, in effect, you're doing that work of the church. You're leading and teaching by example, and people will notice the difference.
1: All right. Uh, They're chiming in the chat room where they're listening tonight. If you want to chime in as well, we'll take a roll call here and uh, get a location of uh, where we're being heard tonight, and uh, we would appreciate that. Now, Monty, you said the church here isn't perfect, and you've never known one that was. And you know why that is? Because I was there. Well, <laughs> well, that's obvious. No, just, but the church is not perfect because it's made up of people, and it's, and it's not going to be perfect uh, with people in it.
2: Well, that's right, because people are not perfect. We're supposed to strive to be perfect. We're supposed to aspire to be perfect. We're supposed to work toward it, but we're not, and we're not going to be. But that we have that goal before us to try to be, but because we recognize that we're not perfect, then there's going to be problems. Everything's not going to go just like it ought to all the time. But when those problems arise... The Bible has taught us how to handle them.
1: You know, Monty, that how many times have you heard people who just give up and say, "Well, the church didn't treat me right." Like it's some shock that the church might not do something right, or or there are not uh, there's a, a member of the church who's not living right, and, and it just it shatters their faith. There's hypocrites in the church. We should not be surprised, Monty, that the church is not going to be perfect. Uh, God has given us plenty of instructions that tell us this and tell us how that we need to work to grow, uh, to be more like He'd have us to be.
2: Well, you know, uh, if the church was going to be perfect, you would think it would have been perfect when the apostles was on the earth because we had these inspired men to guide us and give us information straight from God and tell us exactly how to do things and exactly how we ought to behave. But as we was talking about a while ago, Paul wrote the Corinthians a letter and said, hey, you've got problems over there. You need to purge that leaven out. You need to get the sin out of the church. Well, it wasn't perfect then. And if it was going to be perfect, you would think that's when it would have done it. But it wasn't perfect then. Uh, we read even the Apostle Peter of things that he'd done wrong. Right. He failed to associate with the That's Gentile right. Christians as he should. Peter was an inspired man. Had spent a lot of time with Jesus. If the church was going to be perfect, the one where he was at, you would think would have been it. No, even he was led astray at
1: times. You know, if the church was made up entirely of Peter's, it would still have problems. Right. And it would also have problems if it was made up entirely of Paul's. Notice what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, beginning, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I, I may apprehend, for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark of, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Even Paul said he wasn't perfect. And so there were problems in the church where Paul was. Part of the problems were, was Paul. He wasn't perfect. He, he made mistakes. And we need to understand the church isn't going to be perfect. It's made up of individuals. Now, that ought to be our goal, but it shouldn't shock us and, and, uh, and cause our faith to be shaken when there are problems in the church.
2: You know, Paul said here that that was his goal, that he was pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, uh, that he was looking forward and he was constantly striving to improve himself and being better but he recognized that he wasn't there yet. He said, I hadn't, I hadn't accomplished it yet. I'm working on it, but I'm not there yet. Well, if Paul hadn't have accomplished it, and we read of all the the things that he done and the majority of the New Testament that we have was written by him, if he hadn't accomplished that perfection, we know that we're not going to. We haven't accomplished it yet either. Well, so we shouldn't be surprised about that. We shouldn't let that destroy our faith when we find out that somebody that maybe we respected at the church you know, at the congregation, we thought they were a really fine, upstanding person, and they wind up getting trouble for something, and something damages their reputation. We don't need to let that destroy our faith. Right. We just need to understand he's a human, too, and he's got problems he's got to correct, and then continue on and maybe help them correct those problems.
1: All right. Uh, Paul, uh, sends in his comments, he says, "...it should be our goal to be complete in Christ. However, a study of 1 Corinthians would help us to see that even a church of Christ may face many problems." there are these are to be corrected not excused but no we shouldn't be surprised appreciate those comments from paul chris says i would be surprised if it ever were perfect in the entire recorded history of the church it has always had its share of problems and that's because it's made up of individuals the church is the people and uh, as a result uh, there are going to be problems uh jim in mount pleasant says no we should not be surprised but that does not mean we should be complacent we are not perfect, but the Scriptures guarantee that by obeying God's will and following his word, we will be perfect or complete to do his will. He references 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16, and especially verse 17. Again, Imani, we're not saying that these problems are okay and that, you know that it's good that there are problems. That's not the case. But we're saying that these problems shouldn't shock and surprise us. We're going to have to correct. We're going to have to work on things as people grow. And uh, we try to become more like Christ would have us to be.
2: You know, rather than just being discouraged and downtrodden because we recognize that there's problems there, we talked about growing a while ago and understanding we have individual responsibilities to grow. But one of the ways we grow is by overcoming problems. When the problem arises and exists, uh, we can look for ways through the Scriptures to to accomplish the correction of those problems. And in doing that, we're going to grow and we're going to help others grow. We're going to edify the group there. And so... The fact that there's problems shouldn't surprise us and it shouldn't get us down. We should just recognize here's an opportunity for me to grow and take advantage of it.
1: All right. That's right. Uh, Use it as an opportunity to apply those things that we've learned from God's word as we try and correct the problems that exist. That's right. Uh, Rhonda in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, says the church is made of saved people that used to be habitual sinners. We're all trying to get to heaven and take as many people with us that we can. Uh, We must be teaching as if this is the last day for the world to exist. Appreciate those comments. Uh, from Rhonda and a listener uh, tonight sends in a comment in the chat room as well Uh, we all know the church isn't perfect we know it has problems and those are are primarily reside with its members i know i'm not perfect and that i make mistakes every day so why should i think my brother is perfect what helps me see beyond the matters of opinion or differences is that i am going to heaven someday this place will be perfect and it will be worth the wait
2: you know the scriptures tell us in first john chapter one verses eight through ten it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The Bible tells us we're going to have problems because sinful people make up the church.
1: That's right. That's right. And, uh, and so it should, uh, we're not saying it's okay. We're not saying it's acceptable, but it shouldn't shake us. It shouldn't cause us to just give up and quit. there may be problems in the church
2: you know if if we were at a church and we felt like there wasn't any problems at all and we need to start looking around because something's going wrong we pulled the blinders over our eyes we're not really looking and being uh we're not living in reality if we think we're at a place that has no problems
1: and uh, you know Monty has been said if you find the perfect church don't join it because you'll mess it up that's right all right uh well uh quickly we need to get to that final question that we've been uh, talking about all night Uh, monty the church is clearly made up of the people is it appropriate or is it uh, accurate to say that you're going to go to church, Monty? What do you think about that?
2: Well, technically, if you wanted to use the grammar and the words exactly right, no, we wouldn't be saying we're going to church because we're not going to people. Uh, we're, the church is made up of people. We would technically we'd say we're going to the worship service or we're going to the Bible study over at the, the what we would refer to as the church building, but the people make up the church. So it's not technically correct to say we're going to church. We'd technically, we'd be saying we're going to worship or we're going to meet with the saints or something like that.
1: All right. Well, let's get our listeners' feedback on that. Rhonda in Edmond, Oklahoma says, We do not go to church. We gather with the church for the purpose of worshiping God. We need to make sure we are explaining that we get to go and worship God to our children. Never say we have to go to church. Kiddos learn so much through the things we say. We appreciate, uh, Rhonda, for those comments. What are, you th- what are your thoughts? Uh, do you go to church? Is that accurate? Uh, again, the, clearly the church is the people, not the building. Uh, Paul in bloomington indiana sends in his comments he says i know i'm guilty of this in an effort to call bible things by bible names and speak as the oracles of god he references first peter chapter four verse eleven i cannot think of an instance where church is used to describe an activity event or building in the english language we do this same thing with another word school we call the building a school we put school on the building and talk about going to school but a school is an organization or an institute of learning basically people however we should not allow Bible things to be transformed by culture. I don't correct people when I hear them say going to church. I understand what they mean, but we should be careful in our own use, and when others observe it, uh, we should use the opportunity to teach. So Paul says we need to be careful about that. Chris says it may not be technically accurate, but I don't feel it's inappropriate. The phrase has a connotation of going to worship service in our vernacular. A better way to say it would be I'm going to worship or Bible study. Like I said, though, saying going to church really should not be that big of a deal. Sadly, small issues of semantics like this have split churches. And uh, I agree. I don't think it's something, Monty, that we'd necessarily take an issue of, but we might want to think about it in our language. Does our language uh, portray the fact that we may not view the church as the people, in fact?
2: You know, when we think about our children, uh, my children are grown, but I have grandchildren, and I see them imitate the things that we do, and my children imitated the things that we do. If we make a habit of speaking correctly and referring to things properly, then we will lead by that example, and they'll do the same thing, and then their children, and it can spread from that. So, But I don't think we necessarily have to, every time we hear somebody use the phrase, I'm going to church, jump right in. No, that's not what that means. But we need to understand that even though the, it's used in our language that way to some extent, that's not technically correct. And if we use it correctly, people, even the people that we associate with here at, at wherever we worship, will tend to to follow that example and do the same thing
1: all right i don't uh yeah again money i don't think it's wrong to say that but uh, we might want to just check it in our thoughts and make sure that we're thinking about things the right way again i don't i, I i'm not uh we're not splitting hairs we're not gonna you know we're not jumping in somebody's face about it as uh, chris said you know some Uh, we might have a tendency to do, but we might want to think about it. Does our speech uh, portray the correct thought? Uh, A listener in the chat room says, Although the church can be defined as a a building, it will help us to see it more accurately as people. We teach our children that we go to services or we go to worship God. It is not wrong to say we're going to church, but it would be much wiser to say we're going to worship God. It is more specific, and it helps teach our children what we're actually doing. Appreciate uh, those comments. As well, we have a listener, uh, Eric, in Fayetteville, Tennessee, says it is appropriate. He has a different take, and it's an interesting one. He says, in this usage, it means a worship service. If someone asks, do you go to church, it is understood they are referring to worship services. Paul seems to use the word in this way in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches. By church here, he means an assembly for worship. That is something that we, uh, something we go to and something we can leave. So that's interesting.
2: I see his point, and I, see, I, I, see, don't, I don't disagree with him in that. I see
1: his point as well. And Jim has a similar point. He says, in one sense, yes, it is appropriate and accurate. He says, consider uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18, for first of all, when you come together in the church. From this passage, Paul says our coming together takes place in the church. I think what he means is that as individuals, we're not the church. I'm not the church. You're not the church. But when we assemble or come together, we become the church. In that sense, then, our coming together or going to a place to come together in that sense, then, yes, we're going to church or to assemble or to the place of assembling. We are going to be with other saints. And so it's an interesting thought there. So perhaps uh, perhaps it is accurate.
2: Well, it could be. And like you say, I think a lot of it's got to depend on how you're using the word and, and your intentions when you say it. And, and as a society, as a culture, we have come to understand it to mean that. But, right. you know, there's other words that w- the have, the meanings have changed over time that are not technically correct either. So but I th- I do think we need to be careful about how we use terms because... We can, if through misusing terms, sometimes lead people to stray or give them the wrong impression. And I think the best way probably would, would be that way. I'm going to worship rather than saying I'm going to church. But I wouldn't tell anybody that they were sinning by using it exactly that way. Exactly right.
1: Exactly right. Well, we've had a good, uh, wide, uh, widely spread audience tonight, Monty. Uh, Greenville, Mississippi on the Mississippi Ritter, River, Orangeburg, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Bloomington, Indiana, Edmond, Oklahoma. Hampshire, Tennessee, uh, Spring Hill, Tennessee, Australia. Peter is in Australia tonight on the other side of the world, and so we're getting out all the way down there. We appreciate all of our listeners for being out there tonight. Uh, An important discussion, Monty. We've got to remember the church is the people, and that's going to change the way we look at the church and the way that we respond and, and, and act towards the church.
2: That's right. When we look at it properly, then it's going to mean we'll behave ourselves differently when we think about the church and the people
1: in it. All right, Monty, thank you for your time tonight. I've enjoyed the discussion with you. It's been a a good discussion
2: tonight. I'm glad I was able to be here.
1: And, Dan, thank you for joining us on the controls tonight. Thank you for listening wherever you are tonight. And if you're listening in the archive version, we appreciate you listening as well. We would encourage you to let us know you're out there in the archive version, and especially if you have any questions about something you've heard on a program, even if you're listening to us in a recorded version, please give us a call or send us an email anytime. We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to you joining us again this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.